This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. Bats. They've been vilified, connected to vampires and horror movies, since motion pictures were the new thing. I am the vampire. I feast on human blood. Maybe yours. So beware. Beware. But the vilification goes back way before that. Bats have always been connected with the darkness and devil and obviously vampires. In medieval times and medieval folklore, they were very much seen as being satanic. Uh, my name is Alistair MacDonald. I'm a reporter at the Wall Street Journal in their London bureau. It had been months since MacDonald had seen or thought about a bat. Then he wrote a story about their fans and their enemies. When I was writing this story, I was in my porch and it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful dusk. And I saw uh, a bat in, like, streak across the sky in my garden. Of course, you can always tell bats because because they have um, uh, their wings are effectively skin drawn over fingers. They're very dexterous bats. McDonald says people live side by side with bats all over the world, but they usually fly under the radar until the recent novel coronavirus outbreak in Wuhan, China. Everybody's been trying to look for the causes, obviously, and some people have pinned that on bats, and that's because uh, a genetically similar version of the virus has been found in bats that has also been found in humans. We still don't know exactly how SARS-CoV-2 got from bats to humans, and even if it's exactly the same virus in us and them. And there's also new research that finds the coronavirus that caused the pandemic may even have originated in another animal. But McDonald says some groups are taking action without waiting for the details. He says people are searching bat caves and roost areas, killing entire colonies of bats. Yes, there's been documented instances of this in Rwanda and several other places where bat habitats have been destroyed and in other places, including Australia, where the public has petitioned to have bat roosts, I think they're called, destroyed. People are scared of bats. And in a way, it may be that those vampire stories have a little bit of truth to them. Bat lovers, like the scientists who study them, say bats do have superpowers, and not just the ability to fly. And so a small little, you know, 10-gram bat, you know, that can live 30 or 40 years. Bats can tolerate many different viruses that would kill humans. From The Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Janet Babin. Today on the podcast, no fear, bring on the bat superpowers. We explain what the winged mammals can teach us about surviving viruses and improving our own immunity. 
Bats are nocturnal creatures, so we don't often notice them. They make many sounds our ears can't hear, and some we barely notice. But they're around on every continent except Antarctica. So I think the last time I was catching bats in the field was in Turkey. Kevin Oliveville is vice president for research at the nonprofit EcoHealth Alliance, an environmental health institution. The group is at the crossroads of protecting wildlife and public health from emerging infectious diseases. I coordinate a lot of our research. We do a lot of work looking at emerging viruses specifically and and why do they emerge? Uh, What are the, the human causes of those emergence events? And how can we prevent that from happening in the future? Now, just a side note here, you may have heard of EcoHealth Alliance. It has been in the news lately because the National Institutes of Health cut its coronavirus funding research in April. The group works with scientists around the world, including Chinese researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The grant was worth more than $3 million. Members of the scientific community, including dozens of Nobel Prize winning scientists, are demanding an investigation into why the grant was canceled. In an email, the NIH confirmed that the grant was terminated, but stated that it does not discuss details of the decision-making process regarding specific grant awards. Oliveville wouldn't comment on the termination. In a statement on its website, EcoHealth Alliance states that it stands by its work and its mission and will continue its international collaborations as soon as possible. So that's going on, but back to bats. Kevin Oliveville says there's a reason bats are so vital to understanding global infectious diseases, not least because about one-fifth of all mammals on Earth are bats. They're very important animals for the planet. They pollinate uh, trees, so tropical forests actually need bats in order to reproduce and maintain themselves. Uh, They're really important for a number of hardwood tropical species around the planet. They pollinate crops like agave, which makes tequila. Um, They, (laughs) durian is another fruit that people in Southeast Asia love that bats are the key pollinator for. Um, And they also control insect populations. So bats alone in the U.S. are worth billions of dollars every year in protecting agricultural systems. And so we kind of take these things for granted, these services, and we only really start to think about bats when maybe there's a problem. Uh, But I think, you know, if we respect bats for the sort of amazing creatures they are, uh, for the ecology and the environment, uh, and then also now looking at their immune system and sort of learning from them, um, I think we'll be in a better place if we, you know, respect and protect these animals going forward. So this robust immune system, it turns out, appears to be tied to one of the more obvious things that makes bats exceptional. It's the only group of mammals that has self-powered flight. From what we understand now about evolution, which is always changing, bats belong to the superorder Pegasopharae, a group that includes horses, but also cats and dogs and whales. They somehow diverged millions of years ago after some sort of geological event and developed this ability to fly. Now, flying is an effective but taxing evolutionary trait. 
Olival says flight takes an incredible amount of energy to pull off. Every night when a bat needs to go and look for insects, you know, they go and catch insects on the wing or they fly hundreds of kilometers sometimes to find fruit and trees. They really ramp up their metabolism. Oliver says what bats do is they basically give themselves a mini fever every night, increasing their body temperature as they do all that flying around. That's how energetically demanding flying is. And normally this process is hard on cells. It can break them down and fragment DNA, which can cause the immune system to become hyperactive. At least that's what researchers expect would happen in humans and other mammals if they tried to fly. But somehow this doesn't appear to happen in bats. Olival says they're somehow able to repair those micro injuries in ways we're still studying. What we're now beginning to understand is that that process of flight um, may have sort of had a secondary advantage of giving bats some some immunological uh, advantages uh, in terms of their ability to deal with that metabolic demand of flight and the damage that it can cause to cells, uh, and particularly inflammations. Olival and other researchers believe this ability to control inflammatory response to cell damage evolved to help bats repair the intense wear and tear on their cells that comes with flying. And it also might be connected to another bat trait that's so interesting to virologists, bat superimmunity. Bats carry around many of the viruses that can kill us, like SARS, MERS, Marburg virus, But bats don't seem to get sick from them. Learning more about how bats are able to throttle their inflammatory response and tolerate viruses could help us figure out ways to control inflammation and overcome infectious diseases like COVID-19. That's coming up next. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. Researchers are studying how bats are able to fend off all the viruses they carry around. They don't seem to make them sick. This appears connected to the way bats can offload inflammation, something us humans aren't always so good at. To understand how bats do this, scientists are gauging how their cells change over time. I've worked for the past 10 years trying to understand the unique adaptations that bats have evolved by looking at the genes that are in bat genomes. And the one thing that happens when you're trying to understand these unique animals is you read lots more about their biology. 
This is Professor Emma Teeling at University College Dublin, Ireland. She's been working with bats for decades. She first began to consider how their biology could help improve human health issues while she was getting her postdoc at the National Institutes of Health in Washington, D.C. Aside from immunity to viruses, Teeling noticed a few other exceptional bat traits. One of them is longevity. It's been hyperbolized in the icon of the immortal vampire. But some bats in the wild can live more than 30 years, whereas similarly sized mammals like mice live only about two to three years on average. But there are other unusual qualities, too. Bats, they don't age the way they should. They've evolved mechanisms to slow down the aging process. Bats don't get cancer at the rate that you would predict. Teeling hypothesizes that all these bat traits are interconnected. The connection between the two is is this word inflammation. So as we age, we become much more inflamed. Think of diseases of the old age, rheumatoid arthritis. They're inflammatory responses. Teeling really wanted to understand what it was in bats' genetic makeup that allowed them to control their inflammation so well. She's been studying generations of wild bat colonies over time in several places, including France. Bats are a protected species there, but she was able to collect genetic material from an injured baby bat. She was still being fed by her mother, but she'd lost her wing and she was never going to survive. So we were able to euthanize this bat with all the legal permits with the appropriate vets, and we were able to isolate one of her long bones. The long bones store bone marrow that can be turned into almost any type of cell. So Teeling used the marrow and transformed it into a type of white blood cell called a macrophage. Her work revealed that there's some weird stuff going on in bats' innate immune genes. They're different from other mammals. It appears that over time, some bats have lost genes that other mammals have. In fact, Teeling says bat powers could actually have to do with this genetic omission. The bats she studied are missing a suite of genes called fion genes. They're involved in producing inflammation. Pion, did you say? Or or fion genes, P-H-Y-I-N. Teeling watched how the bat immune cells she'd collected that lacked these fion genes responded to viruses in a Petri dish. She then compared their response to how some mice immune cells reacted to the same virus. And what we found was astonishing. Bats produce more and more and more of an anti-inflammatory cytokine called IL-10. Whereas the mice are producing more TNF, more inflammatory cytokines. And so they're going into this potential cytokine storm with any way to control it. A cytokine storm happens when your immune system goes into hyperdrive to attack a pathogen. People who suffer from COVID-19 can end up with this condition. Their body's immune system is fighting the virus so hard that patients end up dying from cytokine overload, not from the virus. The mice cells Teeling was using reacted much the same way, but the bats were fine. Remember when we talked about the mini fever that bats get when they're flying around? 
Well, Professor Teeling hypothesizes that bats have evolved this unusual IL-10 or interleukin cytokine mechanism to neutralize all the excess inflammation produced from the taxing job of flying. And when bats get a virus, Teeling suspects these same cytokines are repurposed to take it on. What happens is when they experience a pathogen, such as a virus, potentially they respond in the same way. And we've argued this is, a, this is a mechanism that allows them to deal with this constant inflammation they experience from flight. Now, it's a theory, and the question is, is it real? Teeling's continuing her work on bats and bat genomes to find out. She's spearheading a project called Bat1K. It's an effort to sequence all the bat genomes from some 1,400 species of bats. So far, she's sequenced six. So only 1,394 more bat species to go is amazing. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) When there's a will, there's a way, as they say. We should point out it's now much faster and less costly to sequence genomes. So the project is far less daunting than it was just a few years ago. And Teeling says the work could result in finding better ways to treat patients who suffer the inflammatory effects of infectious diseases like COVID-19. Up next, how studying bats and their viruses is igniting research into us and all the viruses we carry around. They're known as the human virome. This is The Future of Everything. I'm Janet Babin. Join the Wall Street Journal at the Future of Everything Festival on May 21st to 23rd in New York City, where diverse global newsmakers share unique perspectives on navigating a changing world. Immerse yourself in live performances, explore pioneering technologies, and indulge in the city's inventive culinary scene. As a podcast listener, enjoy 20% off current ticket rates with code PODCAST. Visit wsj.com slash f-o-e-f podcast to secure your spot. We are learning how bats are able to live with lots of viruses without getting sick. Researchers say studying animal viruses and their hosts can help us to understand more about our viral load, especially because a lot of the viruses that are wreaking the most havoc among humans come from animals. So we know that there are about 24 taxonomic viral families um, that have ever caused diseases in people before that spilled over from animals. This is Jonna Mazette. She's a professor of epidemiology and disease ecology at the University of California, Davis. Um, And they are the source of the majority of our terrible epidemics and pandemics. She's also the director of the One Health Institute and the Global Virome Project, a research group that tries to figure out where the next pandemic from so-called zoonotic transfers will come from. Much of the group's work focuses on virus hunting, looking for viruses that could infect humans before they actually do. It's on the order of about 500,000 viruses that we think are out there and available to spill over and cause disease in people. Mazette's team also partners with the UC Davis Microbiome Special Research Program and other groups to study and catalog the viruses in the human virome. 
That's the long list of all the viruses that essentially live off of us. They're part of our microbiome, the estimated 100 trillion microbes that live inside of all of us. A lot of them are benign. They don't hurt us. In fact, some of them protect us. One way they do that is they allow us to develop an immunity. Having a milder version of a type of virus in your system can make you immune to other more drastic versions of the same virus, like having antibodies against the flu bug that's going around in a certain season. But another way our virome can protect us is by doing something known as saturating the receptors. We've talked a lot these past few episodes about how human cells and viruses can almost act like a lock and key. Cells are protected or locked up by an outer coating or membrane. And proteins and viruses can often act like a key to break into that protective shell. They latch on to certain human receptor cells. These cells are like the bouncers, allowing some materials inside cells but keeping others out. When the proteins and viruses sync with the cell, they allow the virus to get into the cell and infect us. For coronaviruses, their now infamous spike protein is the key that fits into our cell's ACE2 receptor locks. But what if when coronavirus paid our bodies a visit, all the receptor cells were full up if all the keyholes were already taken? Here's Professor Mazette. Now, if you fill up almost all of those receptors or those locks with keys spike proteins of coronaviruses that don't make us sick, then you're less likely to be able to let the bad one in. Mazette says this is how the benign viruses in our virome help us to stay healthy. So if you're already exposed to another coronavirus at the same time that this bad one comes along, you're less likely to get that bad one because there's just fewer locks available. So just like now, we might take a morning probiotic drink or pill to enhance our biome, the flora and fauna of our gut's bacteria. Mazette imagines this may soon happen for our virome. We know so much less about the viromes and viruses in general than we know about bacteria. And I think it's abundantly clear that it's time for us to understand that as much as we understand it for bacteria. Viruses are having a moment, and so are bats, and researchers are intrigued. Sure, we can't start flying around and doing daily marathons to increase our body temperature like bats do, but scientists think we can experiment with tweaking our own virome and better understanding its role as part of the global virome. This could help to answer questions about the role all viruses that live inside us play in both accelerating and preventing future pandemics. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. Lee Camping Carter is digital director of The Future of Everything. This episode's sound designer is Sean Marquand. Our producer is Casey Georgie. Kateri Yokum is the Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. I'm Janet Babin. Thanks for listening.